So we are going to talk about motherhood today. Uh, we don't do that every Mother's Day or Father's Day, but feel led and compelled to speak on the glory of motherhood. And this is a message for everyone, uh, because in the body of Christ, the way that God designed it, it's meant to operate as a, a family of God. And so if you are a mother today, a grandmother, a, a future mother, an aspiring mother, um, then obviously this is directly for you and hopefully an encouragement in, when it, in which you can bask in the God-given glory of motherhood. And for those of us who are not mothers, then as part of the family of God, as part of the body of Christ, we have a job to encourage and empower uh, the mothers in our lives, in the body of Christ, by encouraging them to bask in the glory of motherhood. And so this is a, a message that hopefully will be encouraging all the way around. As with anything in God's word, if it's true, then we know that the enemy is going to attempt to attack that truth with lies so clever they sound like truth, as Ephesians 3 says or Ephesians 4 says. And the enemy is going to attempt to, in some way, devalue God's truth. And we see that in our culture. We're going to see it from the book of Genesis forward. But there is absolutely a, you know, an attack and a devaluing of femaleness and motherhood in general. You can make a long list, but it's pretty easy to come up with a, a few <laughs> Current ones, you could come up with many from this week's headlines or last week's headlines. So just to think out loud about a few that when we contrast with God's word are, are tragedies for what God's heart is for each and every female and mother on the planet to be able to bask in the glory of God's design in their life and how that is being assaulted in our culture. For example, not too long ago, a couple weeks back, I believe it was, a current Supreme Court nominee was asked what seems like a somewhat innocuous question of what is a woman? If you didn't see those headlines, it's very telling to where our culture's at because the, the nominee, who is a woman, refused to answer the question, either could not or would not just answer. What is a woman? So that speaks to something really big going on in our culture right now, of what is woman? God addressed that from the very beginning in Genesis 1, and we're going to look at that in a moment. But furthermore, even in regards to womanhood resulting in pregnancy, resulting in motherhood, that has now been called into question to where it's now offensive to even bring up Mother's Day in some circles. I saw this week online a, a letter from a, a school saying we are not going to do anything to celebrate Mother's Day because it's offensive. I'm not kidding. And to say Happy Mother's Day is offensive. And it goes right along the lines with the new cool thing to remove the word mother and say birthing person. It's, it's comical, but it's comically tragic 
because it's real, it's coming, it's here. In a way that if you have an Apple iPhone and you've got your most recent update, then you will now see that you have an emoji that is able to send this to a friend. Because birthing persons are the new normal. And in, in a, not a joke at all, you are being told by the powers that be that control your phones that this is the new normal. Get on board. This is not meant to be sent as a joke. This is real life. Although Elon Musk had a, had a pretty good joke as uh, he had a little fun with this when he saw this. Uh, apparently, uh, he, he retweeted and Micah said I could put this up. So look at this. A light moment before we get into uh, some serious stuff. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, this, is, this is serious in the sense of, like, this is the new normal. We can't say what a woman, what a woman is. We can't say happy Mother's Day. We can't even say a, a pregnant woman. While from God's perspective, the, the good news is that motherhood reflects and embodies uniquely the character and nature of God in at least four ways that we're going to look at today, but many more, but in four extremely critical, like directly connected to the heart of God. So let's open up to Genesis chapter 1. We'll read verses 25 to 31. From the beginning, this was God's design and intention. So in the middle of the, the creation passage there in Genesis 1, it now gets to humanity. Everything else before that, God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man, which in the, the translation of it, our understanding, mankind, humanity, it's plural. So let us make mankind or let us make humanity in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and birds of the heavens and every living thing that moves on it. And it was so. Down to verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So when we're looking to get our bearings in the world of what are those anchor points of truth, when we ask big questions like, what is a woman? Does God's word give us any type of answers? And here it is from the very beginning. We can see this absolute intention by God to create humanity in his likeness. And in his image, he created them male and female. And so from the very beginning, created in the image of God, male and female, the definition of a woman in its very most simple way is a female human, 
created in the image of God. And right next it says he blessed male and female. He blessed them. That is incredibly critical language. It is parental language in the Bible, as we've talked about before. Blessings come from parents. And that was absolutely huge in the culture. I mean, other people can bless. But primarily, especially in the book of Genesis, you can see it. The parental blessing is absolutely huge culturally. It is coveted. You got kids fighting for it, clawing for it, deceiving each other for it. They want the parental blessing. It's that stamp of approval. And so it is not a coincidence and it is not insignificant that the very first thing God did after creating male and female, creating humanity in his image, in his likeness, male and female, different, unique, but equal, he blessed them. He says, here's my divine seal of approval. This is very good. The only piece of creation that was bestowed with that highest honor. He blessed male and female. And then he said, be fruitful and multiply. And some of these things are just absolutely basic, fundamental, even biological. How is the most obvious way that people are fruitful and multiply? They're having kids. Fill the earth. But remember, and what's so key is, to see this within the fulfillment of, it's a parallel description of and fulfillment of what it means to be made in the image of God. What does, it be made, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, a number of different things, but right in this passage, what we can see is similar to how God created the world and filled it with an array of amazing things, so women also get to create and fill the world with offspring. The creative power of the womb is one of the primary ways that women uniquely reflect the image of God. That is something to ponder and be in awe of and, and see the mystery of it. I mean, we could, we could fast forward to Psalm 39, 13, 139, 13, and 14, where the psalmist says, for you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's fearfully is like that awe-inspiring, something that points to God, something that reveals the glory of God, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know it full well. The psalmist is in awe of the creation that happens inside the womb where God's the creator knitting together a human inside the mother's womb. And it's meant to be this awe of something so sacred, so holy, so full of dignity. The ability to create life or be in a sense a co-creator with God. Absolutely Glorious. This is even reflected in the names Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3.20, says the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. A Eve literally simply means life or 
the source of life, the fountain of life. Adam means earth, dirt, ground. Who got the better deal? <laughs> like, seriously, women have a, a, a superpower. They create and grow life inside of them. I mean, who's reflecting God here? You are life. You are Eve. You are life. You are the creator of life. You're the creator of life inside the womb. It is made in the image of God. Nothing else in all of creation has that honor. You are the mother of all living. I mean, that's something to, to ponder in the, in the wake of what comes our way in culture, where from God's perspective, woman is dignified with the honor of creating life, the mother of all things alive, life itself. You are Eve. It's not a coincidence. Names in the Bible carry identity. They carry value. They carry glory. And Adam looked at, at the woman and said, life. There is a way that you uniquely reflect the, the nature of God, the image of God that God gave no one else the honor of. That's pretty awesome. And it's not a coincidence, therefore, that also from the beginning... There has been and there always be, will be an attack against the woman who is able, the one and only creature, <laughs> to create creation, the one and only created being, to create and grow life inside of them that is made in the image of God. Nothing else in creation has that honor. We, got to, we have to make sure we're clear on that. The animals are not created in the image of God. The trees are not created in the image of God. The sun and the stars are not created in the image of God. Now, they all shout of his glory, but it is not a coincidence that not until God created humanity did God say, let us make humanity, let us create humanity in our own image, in our own likeness. Nothing else in creation carries the image of God like a human does. And the woman is the only one bestowed with the honor to create the image of God inside of her. That's... that's that is glory. And that is why there has been an attack against the woman's offspring from the beginning. God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with my glory. Fill the earth with those little things that carry the very image of God. There's only one thing that can fill the earth that carries the image of God and it's other little humans. And so there has been an attack to do whatever possible to keep women from being fruitful and multiplying God's image on this earth. We, saw it in, we see it in Genesis 3.15 where it says that the serpent 
They'll have enmity against the offspring of the woman. But then there's that kind of first prophetic word there about the coming Messiah and what the offspring of the woman are meant to do. As it says, he will crush your head. The offspring of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, but he will strike your heel. There is an offensive against the offspring created in the image of God. And if you fast forward into Revelation 12, that chapter is fascinating about the past, present, and future, and the woman who is Eve and Mary and representative of all women in a way, talking about how this great serpent, the dragon, swept down a third of the stars out of heaven, cast them on the earth. The dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. That's been the goal from the beginning, is to devour the offspring of the woman because they carry the image of God like nothing else does on the planet. And then in verse 17, it says, after the dragon was unsuccessful, he became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. So anytime we see in human history where there is a war on the offspring of women, we can know it is coming straight from the pit of hell. We saw it at the time of the Exodus, right? When the enemy knew God's desire was to liberate his people from captivity. And so not coincidentally, the offspring of women, there was an attempt to wipe them out. And all the firstborn of Moses' generation were wiped out by the Pharaoh to try to destroy the offspring. Or fast forward to Jesus' time when Herod got news of what God was up to through the woman, created in the image of God. This Savior was coming. And so... We know that all of the children under two years old were wiped out by Herod in an attempt to destroy, to devour the offspring of the woman, to thwart God's plans. And you can think about moving forward. You can think about our day and age. You can think about what's coming down the pipe. Right now, you can think about what's being sold as a human right to women to destroy their own offspring. This week, a chilling phrase came out of our governor's mouth as the Supreme Court paper was released that there is the votes in order or in place to potentially overturn the Roe v. Wade. Our California governor came out on his righteous high horse and says, we are going to fight like hell. Hell was calling. The irony of his statement. We are going to fight like hell. For what? We're going to fight like hell to make sure that women have the fundamental human right to destroy their own offspring in the womb. Yeah, that sounds like a twisted hellish idea. Let's convince women that the most powerful way, the most, the most empowered thing they could do, the most righteous, human, right-filled, empowered, hear me roar, is I could end the life of my own child and exert my power 
That sounds like hell to me. The fight's never going to stop against the offspring of women because of the glory that they carry. And so our job in the church is to encourage the women, encourage our mothers, our future mothers, our grandmothers, that what they carry is glory from heaven. That they were given an honor that no other thing in creation was honored with. To carry the image of God and fill the earth. And so we're in a time where that honor is utterly undermined to the point where it's becoming so normal to question and devalue that it's hard to even see sometimes the degree to which it's being devalued. But if we go back to God's intent, we will find the anchor of truth that we need. Let's just keep it real simple. God's precious daughters were given the unique honor to carry the glory of his creation made in his likeness. Moving on. Another way in which God's daughters carry his nature in womanhood, in motherhood, is by modeling the nurture and play that comes straight from God's heart. There's this incredible prophetic passage in Isaiah 66, 12, and 13 that speaks of the new heaven and the new earth. So we're talking about when the kingdom of God fully comes. And God says this, for thus says the Lord, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse, you shall be carried upon her hip and bounced upon her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. It's an astounding passage if you've never heard it before. It's one in which God takes on the, the position of mother, the image of mother, and says, you can look forward to heaven when God will wipe away every tear, right? Make everything right, set everything right as it's intended to be. Bring the healing to the nations that the world longs for. This is the new heaven and the new earth coming this is the new Jerusalem. This is what we see in Revelation coming out of heaven. It's the exact same language. In fact, right here, a couple of verses later, it talks about the new heaven and the new earth. It is repeated in the book of Revelation. And how does God describe what happens in heaven? The language of a mother with her child. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort my people. 
you will be comforted in Jerusalem. What does that comfort look like? What does that motherly comfort from God look like? Specifically, it's in verse 12. I will extend peace to her, the glory of nations like an overflowing stream. You, this is God talking to his people and describing how God is going to minister to, be present with his people in heaven. You shall nurse. You shall be carried upon her hip and bounced upon her knee. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. It's this incredible image of some of the fundamental basic things that are inherent biologically, that, that happen, that mothers do, that maternal instinct, that is a direct reflection of the character and nature of God that will be ministered to his people for all of eternity. These very basic biological things of motherhood, nursing, carrying, comforting. These are all descriptions of mothers and God meeting the basic fundamental nurturing needs of children. And God says for all eternity, that's me to you. Wow. The glory of the investment that mothers make in nurturing and in play. And the science of, of nurturing is fascinating to me. Absolutely fascinating. I remember when we first had boys, my wife told me about some of the things she learned in the, in the process of nursing and the kids and that babies who are first born can only see 8 to 12 inches away. Is that an accident by our creator that really for a while, right at birth and for a bit, really the only things that babies can see are their mothers and fathers. But who does this right here? Eight to 12 inches away. Within science, the glory of God is revealed. That the heart of God is meant to be transferred into the child by the mother in the nurturing. Furthermore, on the science end, I was blown away when we learned from a, a friend of ours who was in nursing, uh, doing a nursing school, nursing degree, that as a baby nurses, the saliva of the baby touching the mother's breast actually has code written into it. You can think of it as like computer code to where the baby's body through saliva communicates to the mother's body the nutritional needs of the baby so that the mother's milk can be regulated by her body to increase fats, proteins, carbohydrates according to the greatest, you know, most beneficial health of the child. And that happens in a magical, supernatural, supernatural transfer of saliva on skin. Glory in creation. And God's word then says that that happening, mothers nursing their children, is a reflection of the character and nature of God and how I am going to take care of you. So just flip it 
moms, and see that you have been told that the way that you nurture and care for and carry and, and bounce on your hip and comfort children is the heart of God in you. You are reflecting the character and nature of God in a way that is nourishing the soul of the child. And the play piece is just absolutely fascinating. Godly play is good for the soul. Children playing is good for the soul. There is a reason why children have such an inherent need and desire to play, to laugh, to run, to go to the playground. And do you need to give them instructions? No, it's like releasing a bull out of the pit. They're like, phew, and they're gone. They know exactly what to do. It's so inherently biological just to go play and have fun and mess around and skin their knees and jump and fall and then come back and get comforted. There's that rhythm. And right here in the Bible, a picture of heaven says that God will bounce you upon her knees, it says. That's what heaven is described as. Bounced upon her knees. What is that picture? Bouncing upon her knees. A mother bouncing a child on her knees. That is godly play. There's no purpose in that other than to make the child laugh. That is a biblical description of godly play. Just to enjoy time, smiling together. Look upon my countenance and see the smile of heaven, God says. I want to make you laugh. God says, I'm gonna get you close. You're safe. I'm carrying you. All your fears are gone. And eternity is looking like this. We're looking in each other's eyes and I'm doing things just to make you laugh because it's good for your soul. God help us have revelation that that is your nature, that you are that good, that we can look at a mother playing with her child, doing nothing other than simply enjoying making them laugh and know that is the holy heart of God that we are going to encounter for all eternity. And therefore, mothers now are bringing revelation of the character and nature of God when they comfort, nurse, carry, play with their children. There is revelation of God being transferred. That is glory. And it's so fascinating to see that kids love play no matter what age and and. This is the beauty of where mothers play, fathers play. Don't, don't think you're getting off the hook today, guys. Oh, man, wait till the Father's Day message in a few weeks. It's coming. <laughs> I, I love playing with my kids, but I, I, it's different. I, I'll take, you know, my 15-year-old boy right now. Like, the way that we have godly play is he wants to test his strength. He wants to be that little bull. He wants to be the young bull who thinks he can take out the old bull. Well, come on, brother, you ain't even close. You know, it's like, that's still the reality. And I'll, I'll, so my, time, my thing with him right now is we do this little bullfight where we, you know, lock horns and we push, you know, and it's like, who's stronger? Who can be the, like the bull of the house, right? And it's like, I got that point with my older one where we kind of like that mutual, like, nah, let's not do this anymore. <laughs> like, somebody's getting hurt right now. 
And so that was kind of the fun. You know, we never had to actually, like, you know, crush each other and, and figure it out. But my 15-year-old's my, my at that point where it's like, come on, dad. And I'm like, anytime, anywhere. So that's his little thing right now. So anytime, anywhere. Right? We're in the grocery store. He's like, ready? Bullfight right now in front of everybody. I'm like, I'm your huckleberry. Like, you're the one that's going to have a, 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 a sh <laughs> an elbow in the back of your neck in about three and a half seconds, buddy. Like, this is, this is not going to go well for you. Anyways, that's not what happens with my wife. <laughs> like, this week... Like, it was, it was just this cute little beautiful thing. Like, you know, she, she, she's this little person who it's like, if it's under 80 degrees in our house, she's got a blanket on. You know, she's cold. And, and so she's like, you know, it was like 90 degrees in the day and then dropped down to a, you know, brisk, you know, 73 in our house. And she's like, I'm cold. And so my 15-year-old comes up and comes behind her and, and does this little thing where, you know, he wants to show his strength. So he gets on the outside of each of her arms, almost like a little hug, but then does this kind of like, it's like the Mr. Miyagi move, you know, like the, you know, the old, old school karate. But he's doing that like friction thing on her, you know, little bare arms. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, this feels really warm. Thank you. Don't stop. And he's like, you know, and it's this cool, you know, it's like, you see him coming of age. He's like, oh, yeah, I can kind of take care of mom. I can kind of protect a little bit. I can be cool. I can show off my strength. I can kind of flex for dad a little bit. You know, it's like all these things rolled into one. But it's like this different. It's this very, like, gentle kind of like I want to play with mom still. But there's a way that that's, he's never going to do that on me. You know, <laughs> that's a mommy thing, right? And that's, that's beautiful. That's good. That's healthy. And so there are these unique ways in which there will forever be godly nurturing and play for both mom and dad. And they each carry their unique glory in that moment that reflect the nature of God that we will experience for eternity. And lastly, I want to think about number four being the sacrifice that mothers make for the good of their children. Matthew 20, 26 to 28, Jesus says this, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life, to give his life as a ransom for many. This is a principle of greatness in the kingdom of God. And, and we have to be careful that the familiarity of it doesn't breed an apathy because this is a revolutionary idea. I mean, you can think about it today. There are leaders out there in the world, all over the place, good and bad. And you can think about where are they, what's their posture? What's their motivation? Are they leading others because they're coming from a place where they're willing and desiring to sacrifice on their own behalf to serve others, to lift them up? Jesus says, that's greatness. That's leadership. Or are those leaders coming from the motivation that they're willing to sacrifice others to lift themselves up? That's always going to be a challenge and a threat. That in human nature, even a singular person can be tempted in both directions and have to fight those temptations, be led by the Spirit of God. But that's Jesus' call. 
greatness in the kingdom of God is the one who's willing to sacrifice on behalf of himself, serve others, to lift others up. And, and, and that really became that model of Jesus sacrificing as a leader, as the leader looked out by his followers, him modeling sacrificial love. That became, in a way, what built Western civilization. This notion of what is nobility? Is it sacrificing others to lift yourself up or is it self-sacrifice to lift, other, lift others up? I mean, look across, look across the history books and what built nations, what built empires, what built civilizations. And most of them don't even attempt to go in the direction to say, the greatest among you will serve others, will sacrifice others. That's motherhood 101. <laughs> Absolutely. A mother's sacrifice reflects Jesus. I mean, you can just think of the sacrifice of the, the, the wild interruption. Dad sacrificed you. But the wild interruption that it is to bring a child into the world. And my wife and I like to joke now because, you know, it's like we're, we're, we're pretty solid. We're pretty, pretty, pretty confident. Like three's good. Our house is full. Don't even talk about us. Now we get to laugh at other young parents. Because when kids come into the house... Woo, life changes. You become a zombie for like a year just to keep this little thing alive, you know, for eat and sleep. I mean, it is not, you know, it, it's glorious from God's perspective, but it's not glamorous from the world's eyes. Your life consists of like eating, sleeping, pooping, napping, wiping, like it's, it's humbling. It's Christ-like sacrifice. It really is. And that just continues and continues where there are sacrifices made for the lifting up of kids. And moms have such an incredible inherent ability to do that. I think of my own mom, my own wife, my mother-in-law, huge amounts of sacrifices. And this is where it gets kind of really crazy in our culture where the culture says, moms and dads to a degree, but right now it's moms, you know, don't sacrifice. Anything that's going to hold you back from anything that you want to do, don't sacrifice. I mean, I think of my mom and her sacrifice, the way that I interrupted graduate school. And, you know, the, the story is not complicated. For her, it was just like, hey, I'm pregnant. <laughs> like, I can't do this at the same time. This, this, this baby's taking my time, my energy, et cetera. I'm, I'm creating something in the womb here. And so she made the decision, you know, to stop, to pause at the time, graduate school, so I could exist. It's really, really crazy that right now our world is saying, I was an inconvenience that doesn't need to exist. You know, if you're, if, if you're pregnant and you're in grad school, just get rid of it. That's your fundamental right to make sure nothing gets in the way of achieving what you want to do. Think about that as like, wow, like that's the message to women. 
if I'm going to inconvenience my mom for grad school, then I, I, I don't deserve to live. And I'm not in any way saying that women shouldn't go to grad school or women shouldn't work or women shouldn't be outside the home. No, I absolutely love powerful women. Like, I've got them all around me. My wife is a very powerful woman who does lots of things outside the home, even the Proverbs 31 woman. Like, there is a misnomer. If anyone is trying to say that the Bible is saying that women need to be home and not out working, that's just a straight-up lie. Like, the Proverbs 31 woman is the one who is out looking to go buy a field. She's the one down at the port working with the merchants. So that's even Old Testament Jewish culture saying the woman is out doing these things that are gifts and passions and working in the world. But that's where it gets so dicey right now to where it's very easy to hear that message that if it comes between working and children, well, just get rid of them. And it's like, wow. There's, God has a better way. God can fulfill all the dreams of his daughters without sacrificing the glory of motherhood. There was a, a profound testimony that I heard this week from Senator Rosalicia Ochoa Bogue, who was our keynote speaker at the National Day of Prayer. And she is an incredibly strong woman of faith. And she made this comment that was just so striking to me that kind of captures the essence of where our culture's at and the messages coming to the way of women. She said this, no amount of success outside the home is worth failure inside the home. It's just such a profound thing to think about. Does that line up with the glory of God bestowed upon mothers in his word? And it's like, yeah, absolutely does. And she is not in any way trying to say that mothers shouldn't be outside the home. She is a senator in the state of California representing over one million people. That is a huge amount of awesome responsibility. And she also has three kids who from her testimony, love her and love the Lord. Well, that's a beautiful thing. And so, no, it's more a matter of perspective and value. Where are we putting our value? Are we putting our value in the anchors of truth of God's word? And that's where for today, for us, as a body of Christ, as a people of Christ, if you are a mother today, a grandmother, then there is these beautiful, rock-solid encouragements in God's word that what you do as a mother, as a, grand, as a grandmother, from the very carrying and creating of, of the image of God in your body is an honor that no other created thing has to the nurturing, to the play, to the sacrifice, all which directly reflect Jesus and the character and nature of God. To be able to bask in those things and let those truths encourage and continue to help fight the good fight because there is a absolute fight in raising kids. 
It is one of the most challenging things in the world for a reason because they carry the image of God. So, of course, the enemy is going to be doing everything he possibly can to keep them from living into the fullness of what God wants for them. And so to grab onto these anchor points of truth and to be empowered and encouraged that if God has given you the gift of motherhood, there is so much great glory attached to it. And then for the rest of us in the body of Christ, our job becomes to help those mothers and grandmothers and adoptive mothers and spiritual mothers that we see in our lives, in the body of Christ and outside, to encourage them with the absolute holy dignity that God bestows upon them. The glory of motherhood. So let's, let's pray uh, to close our time. I'm going to have my wife come and pray a prayer of blessing on the moms. And ha- let's have the band come back up here. We want to finish with just one song that is a blessing upon mothers, a blessing upon children, a blessing upon children's children. It comes directly out of the scriptures. Every single word up here is a scripture. So it's a number of different scriptures that beautifully carry the heart of God, the blessing upon children. And so we want to, we know that's the, the heart of God. And we know that that's the heart of God that comes through mothers. And so we just want to bless that. Holy Spirit, would you make that more and more of our reality today? My wife will close us out, pray for us, and we'll close with that song as a prayer. God, we just bless you for your creation. We thank you that you created women and you created motherhood to show us your glory. What a beautiful thing that you are so wonderful and that you are so good. And what an amazing thing that um, one of my favorite books, Hosting the Presence by Bill Johnson, but that you literally gave women this amazing, supernatural, I mean, it's absolutely supernatural having your creation power within us. We are literally hosting glory within us. We are hosting your glory. We are hosting the, your presence and your glory in the, as, you, as your hands knit together, and we are hosting the glory of the human being that you are creating within us. What an amazing thing. And, um, and that's also in the spiritual sense as well. For those who are not um, mothers in the natural realm from their physical bodies, that there is also an equal um, birthing of the kingdom through relationships where... Um, those who have babies and those who don't, have, you know, from their physical womb, that they can participate in being in spiritual motherhood. Yes. In spiritual motherhood and in growing your kingdom and in nurturing and in loving and in building up the kingdom of God and calling out, calling out the glory like that in others and being a part of your creation in calling out that glory and, and helping to complete the good works that you are doing. So God, we just, um, we just are in awe of you. You are amazing. Um, 
You're beautiful, magnificent, and wonderful, and we thank you that motherhood is all your idea, and we also bless it in our world right now. I'm not even going to pay too much attention to the devil other than just say we see you and we rebuke you in the name of Jesus, and we declare that your lies are dead and falling to the ground, and we thank you, God, that there are angels that are just being launched on behalf of your kingdom to reverse all of these crazy laws that are trying to come into effect and all the ones that do exist that need to be overturned and all of the cultural norms. God, we thank you for um, the beauty of motherhood and we just bless this nation and our worlds with the mind of Christ and the glory of motherhood that you created. And we just declare, as it is in heaven, so let it be on earth. In Jesus' name. Dance a new dance like David